What's up, Southwest Virginia? Welcome back to season two of Beats, Brews, and Buddies. I'm your host, Trevor Schmidt. This is Jeremy Price. Today on our beat, we're going to talk about being young and developing a name for yourself with our buddy, Christian Quisenberry. Hey, what's up? Did I say it right? Yeah, you did. I'm one, like, not many people do. So, well, it's because I wrote it out phonetically <laughs> um, on my sheet, my cheat sheet. Jay Price, what are we drinking today? What's a brand? Man, we're drinking non-alcoholic old duels. It's a premium premium amber beer. Let me read you a little bit about it on the back. I gotta get this just far away enough for my eyes under the right light in this room. Two row and specialty caramel malts, along with a blending of imported and domestic hops, gives old duels amber its rich color, flavor, and fuller body. It 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 tastes full. It's good. Yeah. Uh, so, cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Get cheers. these clinks. Get these clinks. Cheers. Thanks for coming, Christian. Yeah. Seriously. Oh. I don't know. No, 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 I'm going to reach for it. No, no. We need to, we're friends. We friends we make it. friends we get uncomfortable. We got it. Uh, do you mind if I tell them why we're drinking it? Uh, no, go for it, man. This, so, you said it. four four years? I'm going on my fourth year now. Yeah. Four years sober for, for our, our boy Christian. So, uh, we here at Beats, Reason Buddies support... All that we can. <laughs> now, 26, Christian was raised in a small town of Huddleston, Virginia, and grew up spending his time around Smith Mountain Lake. Growing up, his life wasn't easy. With an alcoholic father and an enabling mother, um, enabling mother of that drinking problem, it was tough. But music found him at a young age. Picking up the guitar at the age of 11, then later getting professional vocal coaching from... Uh, while, while while participating in St. River High School, and that was with Nicole Schmidt. Uh, Schmidt. Yeah, mm-hmm. awesome. After high school, though, Christian began down a slippery slope of alcohol addiction himself, losing his passion for music. He f- uh, would find himself homeless, jumping job to job, trying to figure out where to fit in. Until he met his now wife and her family. The musical talents of his family pulled him back into music, and now, being almost four years sober, Christian has created himself a full-blown music career. After playing his first solo show in March 2021, 20, uh, Christian hit the ground running, playing in any bar, restaurant, or venue that he could. After landing an American Idol callback audition in early 2022, his career truly took off. He quickly formed his band Christian Q in the Groove uh, with, uh, what's his meme era? Is it? It says, with meme era. Uh, that's probably a typo. That's cool. <laughs> uh, uh, so, <laughs> I was like, what's meme era? Like, tell me about that. Members so, with members. Oh, uh, members. Yeah. Membera. Man, I see some words. <laughs> yeah. these, and I'm like, glad I'm not reading. <laughs> members, Amy uh, Quisenberry, uh, which is your wife, Yep. Uh, on bass. David Owens, uh, lead guitar, and John Graham uh, who, on drums. Now playing three to f- five shows a week. Um, we'll talk about that. Along with recording his debut album, Coastlines to the Mountaintops. I love that name. 
his goal is to start traveling more and spread his wings to new venues across the state uh, state borders. Now a husband and father to a beautiful two-year-old boy who loves music just as much as his daddy does, Christian wants to create the best life possible for his wife and son by doing what he loves most, and that's playing music. Welcome, Christian. Nice. What's up, man? Yeah, man. That's awesome. I mean, a very open... Um, yeah, throw it out there. Like, a very open start to with, with this bio. Um, you know, I learned a long... Like I told you earlier today, I learned a long time... And I've had so many situations where people come up to me after my shows and they're just like, thank you for, you know, sharing your story with us. It helped me a lot. So that's why I do it. You know, if I can help one person with the struggles that I've been through and that I came out of that, then, you know, that's that's cool. That's what this is about, you know. Yeah. And you have to first start by being open to talk about it. Right. And I, I, I truly appreciate that. Um with the with the amount of work that I do so you know even that but even the openness in pursuing your dream is also commendable a lot of people would work some but you know you're going to work whatever jobs you need to work till you get there right and you know under breath amongst friends or you're always saying yeah we'll, we'll get there we'll work we'll hard we'll work hard but so just just throwing it out there is good it's well, good you yeah. tell yourself and um <clears throat> I personally think that there's going to be a certain level of manifesting that comes from that because you do it out there, so you're gonna right. you're gonna go right. Yeah. Well, and also just not letting the obstacles <laughs> bring you down and and keep you down. Obstacles so, are fun. Obstacles are fun. So <laughs> they 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 they're they're what shape you. You know. Yeah. yeah. So talk about um. Let's start start at the beginning. Talk about you know where you were raised and um, the Smith Mountain Lake and what kind of music you listened to back in that day and wh oh, man. what started you. It's extensive. Um, I'll try to keep it short. But so I was actually born in Sacramento, California. Okay. Um, but I don't really tell. I don't really make that a forefront just because I don't remember anything of that. I was two years old when I was adopted. Um, me and my two sisters were brought out to the East Coast, West Coast to East Coast. And that's kind of why my album title is Coastlines to Mountaintops is because I was born on the East Coast, but raised over here with the mountains and Smith Mountain Lake and Blue Ridge Mountains and everything. Um, but so when I was two years old, adopted, raised in Huddleston, Virginia, um, I got my really my first uh, kind of start in music. And uh, it was actually uh, in elementary school. Fifth grade musical is what I did. Um, maybe it was fourth grade, but we did Grease. Um, oh, I was cool. one of them Greaser boys. Um, so that was kind of when I, I knew, like, oh, man, I really like stage business, and I really like performing. And um, then in fifth grade, one of the cafeteria ladies invited me to her church um, and asked mm -hmm. me if I wanted to be in the summer program there. And I was a Huddleston co-gop. Um, I did that and kind of fell in love with the whole aspect of, like, being on stage um, even more there. so there. I did the summer program there, and then they um, allowed me to start working with the worship team, and that was where I got my start in music, um, was working with the praise and worship team and stuff. What'd you do? Um, I was uh, the youth praise and worship leader. Oh, cool. Um, when I was 12 years old, that's what I what I started doing, and it was like a year after I Just started singing playing guitar. Or I was singing and slightly playing guitar, um, not really much on that front, though, because I was still learning a lot, <laughs> um, but mostly just singing. Um, a couple years, like flash forward a couple years, man, and I'm, I find myself in, I'm in high school and I'm so involved in um, just anything I could involve myself in with the arts program. I, honestly, I was kind of like the Zac Efron 
I wasn't as popular as he was in high school musical, <laughs> but I did the sports and I did the arts department as well. So I kind of had both sides. I played football, but that really wasn't where my heart was. You know, mm. I think I mostly just played football because it was like, that's the cool thing to do, you know, and it was for the cool Letterman jacket, I think. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just like high school musical. Right, exactly. Um, but my heart was always in uh music and and production and stuff like that so i did the high school musical high school musicals all year uh, every year in high school um i was a main role for all those and then of course choir um i did district choir all state choir um i was ranked first in the state for tenor one my senior year for honors choir which was really cool i got to go to dc and sing with a bunch of awesome singers then and you know like i said in my bio it that i learned it all from miss schmidt um nicole she worked with me outside of class, before class. I mean, any chance we got to work on my vocal coaching and sight reading and just little things, and mm -hmm. we were doing it. And it was really because of her that I have the vocal ability that I have nowadays, you know, and I still a lot of, lot of room to grow. But, um, and then I really thought that I was, what I wanted to do was be a music teacher. I, I watched Miss uh, and at the time, her name was Bonfiglio. Yeah. Um, uh, we called her Mama BS. <laughs> she, <laughs> she's probably going to wring my neck for saying that. Oh, we'll make sure we tag we'll her. We'll make sure <laughs> we tag her. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, she. Um, I thought for sure that I wanted to do, uh, I wanted to follow in her footsteps, that I wanted to be a music teacher for a choir. And so I took an internship with her my senior year. Um, I was teaching general choir. Um, it was the all-female choir that we had at Sin River at the time. And I learned real quick that, no, this ain't, <laughs> this ain't for me, man. This, it, was too, it was just too much. It was too, there was a lot, of, a lot more music theory involved that I, that I was ready to wrap my brain around and uh, just a lot that I wasn't ready for. And my whole world flipped upside down because here I am sitting here like, well, what am I going to do with my life, you know? Yeah. People put so much pressure on 18 and 19 year olds mm. coming out of high school. Like you got to know what you want to do. You got to go to college, got to have a job. You got to get married. You got to have a kid. You got to do all these things, A, B, and C. And it's just like, give the person room to breathe mm, and figure out who they are as yeah. a person. And the, in the time, but when you're, and I fully believe this, but time, when you're 19 to 25, you're really figuring out who you truly are as an individual. And I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. And for me personally, like I was, I was caught between fighting this whole, am I going to pursue music? People say that's not a real job. And then I might as well go get a real job somewhere and go find something. So I decided to go into the medical field, got my CNA license right after high school. I worked as a CNA in like three different nursing homes and then Lynchburg General Hospital. I worked there as well, but I got burnt out on it so quick so quick and kudos to anybody working in the medical field because that's a tough profession i tell you what it was i i saw a lot of crazy stuff and met a lot of cool people though uh, but i got burnt out on it real quick and then i jumped into kitchen jobs and i was a painter for a little while and this was all in the midst of my my alcohol addiction i'd started partying more and drinking and i was you know taking you know popping pills and different drugs and this and that every weekend it seemed like and that was really squandering just everything about my music passion i didn't mm -hmm. i didn't pick up my guitar i didn't play i didn't sing anymore i didn't i didn't do anything with music yeah. nothing 
And then I found myself homeless, um, living in my van. Um, and it was a 2018, I believe it was. And that was when I met my wife. I was working at Happy Coffee in Bedford. It was a coffee shop that was open then. And I was actually living behind the place in the van. And that was when I met Amy. She was a regular at the coffee shop. And it was like things from that point on really just started going up. Um, I got the owners of the coffee shop let me come in and live with them. Um, they were like, hey, man, we know that you're living behind the shop. Like, we got an extra room in our house. Like, come work for us. Mm. We'll, you know, pay us 300 a month for rent, and we'll get you back on your feet. And then long story short, they, like, totally scammed everybody, took all of our tax money, and fled to El Salvador. But... <laughs> <laughs> But they had generous, generous hearts. But they had generous hearts, right? That's a whole nother story. Yeah, and I, I, can't wait. I can't wait to tell my son, like, we lived Plot with these, twist. me and your mama, when we were first in our relationship together, we lived with these two gay Salvadorians that totally scammed everybody they worked for and then fled the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they cool gave you a place what, to live. What but happened? they gave me a place to live for a little while. So, yeah. you know, hey. Generous hearts. People are always on the lookout for themselves. Right. That doesn't mean they're exclusively so. So we ended up we ended up moving in with her parents. Um, and that was where we really got back on our feet. And I while living with her family and meeting her dad, that was when I got back into music because it was like it was honestly like I didn't have a choice. Every morning I woke up, every single morning I woke up in their house, I heard her dad, Ricky, playing a mandolin or a banjo or a guitar or something. He was playing some kind of instrument every morning I woke up. And it was honestly, the, I didn't know it then, but now I know why. is because that was the universe just putting music back into my life and making sure that that was the path that I was going to walk down. Did it bring you joy in those moments to take, maybe not at first, but it, it what, did. what did it do for you emotionally? You know, it started, <laughs> at first I was a little bit annoyed. Like I was just, I would stop playing this damn banjo. Like I'm so <laughs> tired of hearing this banjo. And then, you know, I got to know her family more. I saw their family band perform a couple times and I fell in love with it. And you're right. It was just this huge, I don't know, my, my joy for music came back. And who would have thought that it would come back through a genre of music that I grew up my entire childhood saying that I freaking hated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hated bluegrass music until I met my, my, my wife and her family. Now I love it. And that was what reignited my passion for music. In. And I was still drinking, of course, and I, I was still in the height of that, that problem. And, but that was when I started, I started picking a little bit more. I, I got my guitar or I, bought a guitar because I didn't have one anymore. I'd pawned them all, you know, yeah. for drugs and stuff like that. And that was when I, I, I started realizing my passion again for it. And mm-hmm. things right after that just started really, really, I don't know, started coming full circle for me. I, I got a steady job. Um, me and my wife both got steady jobs and we both got a car and we got back up on our feet, got a place to live. I quit drinking finally. And now I'm sitting here doing things like this, you know, it's, it's really mm. cool. It's really cool. Cool journey, man. Cool. What I mean by cool <clears throat> journey is like you're, you're, you're open enough to, to share it and, yeah. and, and just, yeah. Cause you're not the only one. Yeah. No, you may be the most candid that we have on the oh, podcast, 100%. but you're certainly not the only no. one. And, but it's really nice for you just to come out and like throw it out there like that. Yeah. I mean, these are problems 
that you will likely face if you start working yourself up in the in the world of entertainment. Any, any. I mean, there are problems you might face without that. Mm-hmm. But um, the courage there is obviously uh, indicative of just you know how courageous you are, and then you're taking the very same courage and and pursuing the career forward. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's great. So. What was the what was the turnaround point for you, if you don't mind me asking? I was thinking the same for thing. The, I'm like, what happened? Yeah, what, for the alcohol. Yeah, man. It <laughs> and this honestly, it it was a tough night. I'm not gonna lie. I had spent a, there were a few nights where I and for me personally, when it comes to alcohol, not that I knock it, you know, party on Garth, do your thing. I'll pour <laughs> I'll pour the shots, you know. Come on now, yeah. but for me, when I drank. I would get angry yeah. and it would it, it, bitterness and anger and aggression would come out of me. I was just a totally different guy. I was not this happy go lucky, easy going guy like everyone loved. And that dark side came out too much towards my loved ones. And mm. that there was one night where me and my wife were on our way home from Roanoke and I'll never forget it, man. And I try to be as open and upfront with people as possible is because this is what it takes for people to really change their life around. To, when you finally hit that rock bottom moment and realize, like, I'm not going to have anything if I don't change, then you're not going to make it. For me, we were on our way home and I was drunk. It was after a wedding and um, we had been... I had been yelling at Amy and her brother was bringing us home and I got irate and I hauled off and I hit Amy. And that was like a huge, huge turning point for me. At that moment, and especially the next morning, I woke up and I was just, first off, I didn't know what had happened and that was the worst feeling ever is not knowing what happened. And then when I I woke up alone in, in my buddy's camper by myself, I didn't have anywhere to go. Her dad had kicked me out because he knew what had happened, and I didn't have anybody. I didn't know what to do, and that was when I knew that it's just this is where it's got to stop. And I spent the Latin the next two weeks just pleading and begging and changing <clears throat> who I was and just staying as much as far away from alcohol and drugs as I possibly could. And by some I don't know, crazy universe grace or whatever God you may believe in, they found it in their heart enough to give me a second chance. And I'm eternally grateful for that. God, that's beautiful. <clears throat> Sorry, choked me up. I, I, You just don't hear people share that kind of uh Love and forgiveness, in in my opinion, it's nowadays. unconditional, man. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of hate and a lot of anger, and I'm um, I, it's, it's it's a it's a cool moment for me to to hear you um, change. You know, a lot of people when I tell them, I've told a few people this story about you know why why did you quit, and a lot of times I tell myself like I beat myself up a lot for it. Because it's something that you know, I'm still working on forgiving myself for it. My, my, my family has forgiven me. My wife has forgiven me. But it's something that I still internally have yet to do so. Daily, daily, every day I'm struggling with forgiving myself for things that I've done in my past. And, you know, this song that I heard, um, I actually just mentioned it to Alex that I want to do with this new little group that we're putting together. It's called Staple It Together by Jack Johnson. And there's one line in there that has just been stuck in my brain 
ever since I heard this song two or three days ago, and it says he became a prisoner of his own past. And that's something that I just, every day I'm struggling to just crawl out of that. Like, I know I've made mistakes in the past. I know I've wronged people, women and men alike, but it's an everyday battle for me to just pull myself out of those, out of those dark times. You've got a beautiful Zuko story going on. My Dude, life. my character arc is like, <laughs> woo. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't know who Zuko is, look it up on your spare time. Beats, bruising buddies. So, <laughs> uh, no, man. Thank you, thank you for sharing that. And I, I think it's important for our for our listeners to know that, like, uh, just as you were saying, that that a lot of and as Jeremy was saying too, that a lot of entertainers, a lot of people in that industry, st- struggle with with some form of addiction. Mm-hmm. And I mean, how many times do we turn on the news or the tabloids or read whatever you ha- are on Facebook and you see? Some other actor or actresses or musician has OD'd put either or, OD'd yeah. or put themselves yeah. in 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 rehab for 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 an addiction or whatever, and it's it, you know it's a it's it's a it's a it's a lifestyle that you know I know you're not condoning by any means, but you're you're challenging those that are to to get their schmidt together. And, well, I mean, and, the likelihood of someone hearing this <clears throat> that could benefit from it is not low. No, 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 it might not happen, but the likelihood itself is not low. And you you know, you don't even necessarily have to be that down and out to know that you're not doing yourself any favors. Right. And if you hear somebody throw it out there like that, you know, the various things that you've said, maybe there's somebody out there that needs to hear. I mean, I've been, I've had dark times. We've all had dark times. Now dark is subjective, right? But to be open again, that's, this is this theme with you, like your your openness um, probably is a part of your forgiveness process. You're right. being open. You no, know, you're, conf- yeah. confessing. I didn't actually think about it that way, Jeremy, until <laughs> it is. you said that. You're right. Yeah, it's got to be. Right. And that was part of the whole getting out of the alcohol addiction itself. I had to admit to myself that, oh. yeah, I do have an issue. Yeah. And that's the first step is that you gotta, you have to be open enough to admit to yourself, yes, I did wrong. I want to learn from wh- why did I do this and I, how to prevent that from happening again. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, well, that's, I mean, that's definitely welcome here. And I think somebody will hear it. Will they make a change? Who knows? Who knows? But I do but that's know. That's on them. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I do know that, that that is not, that is a, that wouldn't be a strange thing by yeah. any means. And if it's you, straighten your ass. Straighten your ass. Straighten your shit So out. let's, let's talk, let's talk about the, this area and what it's done for you musically. Now, now that things are on the up and up. Oh so. man. I love Southwest Central Virginia, dude. Swerva. Like I told you earlier, man, the music scene around here is vast. I mean, there are so many different styles of musicians and just so many cool, cool people to meet in this industry. I like you guys, you know, as I mean, I think that's what I really enjoy the most about this industry. It's just meeting all the different variations of cool people and learning their personalities and their styles of music. Um, This area has done more for me and my family than I can even begin to be thankful for, man. I I started playing gigs in March of twenty twenty one of myself as a like as the front man. Um I was like a cajon player for a bluegrass band, Ricky and the Banjo Mites, with my family for a little bit and then I also played a little bit with Tate Tuck um as a cajon player drummer for him for a little bit until I broke off and did my own thing. Do you know Jody Enzer? By chance? Yeah, I know Jody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Me and actually, it's funny because a memory just popped up on my Facebook today of a gig that I played four years ago 
with it was at Beals in Bedford. I was on Cajon. It was Tate on guitar, and it was Jody on uh, lead guitar. Yeah, yeah, that dude's he's a trip, man. He's freaking hilarious. He's I a, love that guy. He's one of my. my uh, He's one, I mean, he's one of my best friends. We don't hang that much, but definitely like in the musical world, we've uh, we've been we've hung out a lot together. I've learned a lot from him. He's a cool dude. Um, he's one of my favorite guitar players. It, it's it's less to do with his playing and his attitude behind his playing. I just love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, he's a cool guy. I'll, I'll catch him in Buffalo Wild Wings. Well, actually, he hasn't been playing there, but I would catch him and say I hadn't seen him in six months, and he would see me and say hi and just kick keep going with the song and then hit some wrong chords on purpose and laugh. <laughs> Just and keep going. I just love his spirit. Yeah, um, if you're hearing that, Jody, love you. Oh yeah, he was a joy to have on the show. We had him on, and he's he was a blast. But I know he was he was doing some stuff with Tate. Oh, yeah. Because um, sometime in the past five or six years, he's like, yeah, I'm playing with this a younger guy named Tate. So that's how I know Tate's name. I've never right. met Tate, but we should have him on. That's for sure. Um. So, and then of course with the American Idol stuff, after that happened, it was like everything really kind of. I'm not going to lie, it kind of blew up after that. I was playing, I was already playing pretty decently around, um, you know, two two to three shows, maybe, I don't know, two shows a week at that point, um, six months into playing um, full-time by myself. And then it was in, like, early of last year when the American Idol callback audition and all the articles started coming out, and I was like, I woke up the next morning and my Instagram had gone up 300 plus followers and I was like what the fuck is going on (laughs) (laughs) so I literally I and I had not known anything because I auditioned for American Idol it's a lot of people don't know this is that um the show is filmed and your audition is done Hollywood week is done before that show even airs in feb- February. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, so, you're sworn to secrecy. Sworn to secrecy. Is it Fremantle yeah. Media? Is right. that Fremantle? Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's, they really like, they just, they, they hold you. Oh, they do. Don't they really them. do. You can't say shit. They got to they gotta squeeze. And uh, so I'm sitting there like, I can't tell nobody that I even, you know, did anything with it. <laughs> That's got to suck. <laughs> so uh, finally, suck. <laughs> I did my callback audition, right? And I'm sitting here, wait, they said, we'll get back to you in two weeks. We'll get back to you in two weeks with your results from your callback audition to let you know if you'll be coming down to uh, Nashville to audition for your golden ticket. So I'm sitting there like on the edge of my damn seat, like, oh my God, I got Lionel. I mean, I got, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bright, Bright Smile. What's his name? Blake Shelton. No, the- Lionel Richie, you're right. Not the judge guy. Uh, the the one who like hosts it. Secret. Oh, Ryan Secret. Why did his name just leave my mind? <sighs> I had him in my inbox being, and he was one of the guys on my Zoom audition, like in the corner. He was one that I sang for. It was like two producers of the show, yeah. um, whom I follow on Instagram still- and I'll get I'll get to that. This I'm telling you all the whole full experience of American Idol because I'm gonna be honest, it's bullshit. I'm Ooh. I'm serious. I got I got beef with American Idol. So before as you go on, like tell your story. We um I was in a group that did America's Got Talent in 2008, like season three, and I know just how much bullshit Dude, you're talking. They about. They knock you down, man. If you're an artist trying to be yourself. Don't even try it. It's about the industry. It's about the industry. It's about how they're going to market you. It's about who's marketable. Yeah. Like it's, Oh yeah, yeah. it's crazy. But anyway, so I did my callback audition and Ryan is like, you, 
you're so great, man. We'll see, we'll send you your results in a couple of weeks. We can't wait to see you again. And I'm like sitting there like, heck good, yeah. So I made, I made a post they, and they sent me an email back saying like, make a post on your social media saying you auditioned for us and everything. And so I did all that. And like, everybody's like, whoa, you did a thing. This is really cool. Like, this is awesome, man. Good for you. And I'm sitting there waiting for my results and waiting and waiting and waiting. Finally, a month goes by. And I'm messaging the the producer who had been emailing me directly and calling them like, like, what the heck is up? Where's my results? I got my whole fan base here in Smith Mountain Lake pretty much. I mean, I've already had three articles come out about me saying that I'm going to be on the show. I got all of you guys telling me you're sending me my results and y'all ain't sent me shit. Like, so what is going on? I need to know something. And they literally ghosted me, man. Literally nothing. To this day. To this day. To this day, nothing. I've heard nothing from them. Mm. But I still, it's like this love-hate relationship because it's like, even though I didn't make it there and like audition for them and get a golden ticket, it's still for some crazy freaking reason, but like still shot my career off. I don't know. It's, it's weird. I didn't. I didn't make it there, but I still have this career that was pretty much boosted from all of that yeah. publicity and that media coverage. You know, it's, it, it's crazy. It may have been there's a lot of people that disagree with me on this. It may have been the best thing for you and in a certain capacity because now you're, a lot not, of you're not bound like by exactly. Those contracts are fierce. And I've made more money playing the amount of shows that I've played than I would have being sucked into just mm-hmm. going down there and well, doing what they you, wanted me to you do. You can tell it's all production from somebody oh, yeah. on the outside looking in, and I have no idea because I don't have the same experience, but like I, as a musician and somebody that wants to individualize my own self and, and, and speak my own mind on stage, it's like I don't, I don't dress like that. I don't. I don't look like that on stage. I know maybe I should try to mask that in some right. way, you know, and like, um, it, it, it boggles my mind. And I know that I do know because I did the Christian music scene around here for a long time, how difficult that is because everybody has their, their particular way of listening to like, um, a, a, a Christian, you know, pop song and, right. and, and the way they want things heard that, you know, and, and it's, it's, it, yeah, I can only imagine. It was uh, it was a roller coaster. I mean, it was cool to get the the coverage, media coverage that I did, the articles articles that came out. Um, I definitely wouldn't be playing half the venues that I am right now if it wasn't for it. So yeah, it was a cool that level of exposure is more powerful than I, I realized at the time. We just got shown on a commercial. It's crazy how much just one little thing like that can just. We're, we're talking about four or five seconds. And yeah. I immediately had about ninety emails. Wow. In regard. When I say immediately within a couple hours and I, and it was already said and done and we weren't. Yeah. It's a, it, that level of exposure is almost hard to fathom. And it that's is. why you're going to sign contracts and give and be, um, you know, subject to their opinions. Right. Um, so, so it's, it's not necessarily a good or bad thing. The it's best just, advice I could give to anybody. If you're out there right now wanting to audition for American Idol, I'm not going to say no, don't do it, because the experiences that I had were, I mean, I mean it's 50-50. You know, I had good come from it, and I had bad from it come from it. I also learned a lot. They send you a lot of, like, cool 
um, uh, documents that you can print out about how to market yourself and different like uh, social media tips and stuff like that. So there's a lot of cool like little things like that that you learn from it. But just the whole reality TV side of it is total bullshit, man. Mm. They want a sappy story or someone that they know that they can portray a story. The, yeah, they, they want to, you said earlier, character arc. They want right. to do that with everybody on there. Mm-hmm. Even if the votes are real, which I do believe they are, um, <clears throat> especially those final votes, yeah. mm-hmm. um, they still want a story. They're looking, they, they dig deeper right away. Let's find out more about you. So, you know, you're, I'm you sitting here like, nowhere. how much more of a damn story do you need, bro? I mean, I came from an abusive adopt like uh biological family raised with an abusive adoptive family into this crazy alcohol i mean how much more do you need of a sap story mm-hmm. i tried you know and that's why i think about being as open as, as i possibly can is because in this industry you have to be yeah yeah well schmidt i don't even know what it is <laughs> i want to ask i did what i wanted to ask what what did you think what did I sing? Yeah. Okay, so it was actually piece? it's actually two auditions that you do before you even get to your callback. So I sang first. I sang "Through the Valley" by uh, James Arthur, and I did that with my guitar. Um, and then I did uh, what was the second song I did? Um, uh, now it's leaving my mind. Excuse me. Oh, Tennessee whiskey, uh, Chris Stapleton. And then my for my callback audition, I did uh, "Change Is Gonna Come," but I did the Gavin DeGraw stripped album version yeah. of mm. that. I saw Kevin DeGraw in Holmes College. I screw love that stripped album. Screw you. Yeah, I love Kevin DeGraw. Uh, he's it, dude, one of my all-time favorite vocalists, that man. He's mm. he's where I learned a lot of my vocality from is listening to him growing up singing along to his stuff. So, let's switch gears a little bit. You're playing a lot now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a whole lot. Um what's what's <coughs> what does practice look like for you? What I mean, you're you're starting all these groups now, you know, what practice (laughs) a lot lot of late nights a lot of early mornings you know throwing the the two-year-old in the mix with that is it's kind of hard to get as much practice time in as I used to when he was like zero to eight months it was easy like just roll around in your bouncer you know and chill for a little bit you know I'll, I'll learn a song or two but now it's like he loves music so much it's like I can't I can't sit down at home with my guitar and play that's like that's a Right, right. You can't, I can't do that. <laughs> so a lot of times it's, it's, I have to tell my wife like, Hey, I'm going to take an hour, like give me an hour. I'm going to go in the other room or, you know, give me about an hour and a half or I'm going to, you know, head down the street or something like, give me a few minutes. I'm gonna learn a few new songs this week. Mm-hmm. And that's generally what I have to do. Cause not that I don't love that kid to death, but I need a break so I can actually learn a new song to throw into the group this week. Um, and you know, it's, it's all those Late nights and early mornings that I tell you about, it's me up late learning some new song after he's gone to bed, um, and I have to learn it so quietly. <laughs> and I'm a I'm a tenor singer, so like when I'm singing, I, I like to sing in a higher range, and but I can't do that when I'm sitting at home at night. So I have to like sing it like three octaves lower, and <laughs> until the next day where I'm like, okay, now let me figure out where I'm gonna actually sing this song. Right. So, so practice is a little different since we had Atlas. But your wife's in the band, right? She is, yeah. So what's your expectation for her as practice? She just, dude, <laughs> she just, she's that much of a badass, though. She, so just, she just comes into up. practice, and she's like, what are the chords? And I'm like, A, B, and C. And she's like, all right, let's jam it. 
I'm like, okay, well, here we go. <laughs> like, she just jumps right in on it. And uh, that's why I think I love having her in, in, in the groove. Um, not only does she add the, the awesome bass playing, but, God, her vocals, man. And people will tell you all day long, I'll say it too, man, like, put me to rest. Like, she she could lead this band, man. Do you, don't even let me sing because got, her vocals are off, you off guys, the charts. You guys have three-part, four-part harmony. Three-part harmony. That's awesome. Yep. The lead guitar player also sings as well. And we've been singing together. So when I tell you about the bluegrass band that we had, I was the cajon player. Amy grew up playing upright bass. She's won numerous first-place competitions with upright bass um, and bluegrass competitions and fiddler's conventions and stuff. So she played upright um, Dave, um, who was my lead guitar player, he played rhythm guitar and sang. Um, we had a fiddle player who was Amy's sister, Laura, and then the mandolin player, which was Ricky, um, her dad. And then we had a banjo player, um, which it was a couple different ones. We had a guy named Jeff Ford, and then you might know him if you know Nicole Schmidt, Terry Mills. I know Terry Mills. He Terry was, Mills is, uh, yeah. we call him Sarge. Sarge, yeah. yeah. He, was the, he was the banjo player for Ricky and the Banjo Mites, so he was our banjo player. And uh, See him at work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and he still comes down to the music shop. Like Him and Ricky play together all the time still. He's a killer banjo player. I don't know if you knew that or not. I, oh, I, I do. Uh, he he talks about it a lot. He's very proud of it, and as he should be. Right. Um, um, he uh, he'll come in and he used to come in and jam when um, Mike Havens and I uh, mm -hmm. would, would sit around and play, learn some stuff. And he's ex exceptionally talented. So you said Ricky and the um, Ricky and the banjo mites. What's he do at Patrick Henry? He actually is uh, ROTC Air Force uh, Sergeant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he oh. teaches the, the Air Force Academy. So um, yeah, to the youngins, and it's really cool. And you got Jeff there too. Uh, Jeff Midkiff, Midkiff. Uh, who's uh, I've heard pronounced. That name. Uh, he's a pretty pronounced uh, mandolin player himself um, around here. He's you he's could say that. He's done a lot of things, and he's he plays with a lot of orchestras, and oh, cool. he's even played with the Lonesome River Band. Yep. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. He's over at PH. Uh, that's awesome. Teacher at PH. Teacher at PH too. Very cool, so, man. Yeah, we had quite the quite the talent. There. I play, he plays the, clarinet. This, the this whole area is just is vast. The amount of musicians, the talent that we have in this area, it's it's incredible, and to be. I, the smallest fish that I am in this ocean, I'm just, I'm grateful, dude, because honestly, I, to be playing some of the venues that I'm playing and to be alongside some of these great bands and names that I'm playing with is like, it's an honor. I'd never thought that when I said two years ago, like, I just jumped off the deep end with this shit, man. I was like, screw nine to five. I'm done with it. I can't do it anymore. And I was just like, I just want to do music full time. And is it always easy? No. No, it's not. I mean, people all the time think like, oh, you must be rolling in it, man. Or you better get a money truck. Like, no, man, it's not. It's not It's not all Benjamins like you think it is. There's a lot of struggle when it comes to this business. Why do you think I'm playing five shows a week? Look, he's jumping the gun on my questions. Oh, my bad. No, you good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, go continue. Like, but it's, it's a, it is a, um, I keep using the word debate every time we talk about that. It's it's a, it is a debate in a sense, in my my opinion of of uh, I, the question I, I I pose to him is, what is your opinion on local pay for musicians? Are you pleased? Not pleased? If not, what's your solution? Kind of ordeal. And it, it, we've we've gone back and forth with. It's more more pro than I think con. Uh, we do have some cons, right? Uh, and that's that's fine. Um, I think if all musicians consciously just realized your worth 
and all of us charged what we were worth, mm-hmm. then we would see a huge change. I think we've heard that. <clears throat> we heard that two episodes ago. <laughs> uh, three and three, uh, three and three, like three. like knowing your worth. It, it it can be a slippery slope, but I don't disagree with you at all. Right. It's uh, we're getting paid a little more now, but it, it's long overdue. So right. we should actually be getting paid more. But I think you're right. I, I, I don't know. I'm not saying people think. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to set anything in motion, but I think, um, you know, you stand your ground. You have to be willing and ready to say no and lose the gig. But I think it's happening a little bit. Mm-hmm. And a little bit. I set out doing this whole business and I still have this mindset. Like money is just the side effect of it all. It's really about the music and that's what it should be well, know, for most people for it for you. That's why you're playing so much in my opinion. People enjoy that about you would be right. my, would be my it, guess. It's dude. When I'm on stage in the music, it's like I'm not the same guy that I am sitting right here with you guys. It's like totally. It's weird. It's like I get lost in it. I really do. I get so lost in music that I'm not worried about. I I believe that there should be a transformation. It is for me because it's it's not my day job. Right. It's, it's something I'm exceptionally passionate about, and it's my release. It's my stress release. It's my let go. Um, you know, and so I, I understand exactly what you're saying. Like it, it, for me, when I get behind the drums and I'm on stage playing with my, my best buddies and I'm singing harmony game set match, like right. it's a different ball. Game. It's just, you feel like, man, this is it. This is what life's about. It's liber- liberating. Yeah. Right. And I've gotten to a point now and I can admit to this, that I feel the same way when I go see other groups. Yeah. And I used to not be. I used to be exceptionally judgmental. I used to be very I used picky. To be, you know, me too, man. And a lot of times, I think as musicians, we compare ourselves too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I that, was 100%. that is a huge slip. Hundred percent. And I'll, yeah, I'll still fall fall short to that. Right. Every now and again, I definitely do it. Especially do it in front of my mentors. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm like, okay, I want to grow. I want them to notice growth. But like, I I've also realized that it just just shut up and <laughs> let it let the growth be the growth. And, right. And it'll and don't force it. Yeah. It'll yeah. happen. Yeah. yeah, it'll happen. That's one thing I, I learned a long time ago it's w- with the whole money aspect of, of this business is don't force it. Don't force yeah. it. Just enjoy it. Show people that you're enjoying it and that you're having a good time. And you keep manifesting that good energy and that stuff out there. It'll come. It'll yeah. come yeah. back to you. And for all those that may or may not compare, we're all guilty of it. But if you're living in that comparison, each time you go see a band, if you go see a band and you're like, okay, well, how do I, how do I measure up here? You're thinking about yourself. Right. Period. Like, you're, you need to realize that when you're doing that, and it's not that it's that I do it, we've all done it, I do it a lot less. Um, uh, some of my friends still do it, and that's always the conversation. Listen, music is really cool with or without you. Right. So if you can enjoy somebody else doing it in this moment, do so. Right. They might inspire you more than you judge them. That, if you get the that. hell out of the way. I love that. They might inspire you more than you judge them. Yeah, if you just cool. get the hell out of the way. Right. Like, yeah. I understand, though. You got to have comparisons. You got to grow. You got to push. Competition's great. I thrive on that as well. But if you're doing it every, if you're, if you're playing three yeah. gigs and going to see two, enjoy yourself. Yes. Yeah. It's got to be healthy balance. Healthy balance. Steps off soapbox. Yeah. There will always be someone in this industry better than you. To- totally. Dude, always. Totally. I think accepting that is a big step too. Like accepting that, and knowing that, like, oh my god, like it, it changed me. That's why I, I started asking for lessons again. It's like, okay, I, I got I'm, work to do. I've been talking to Nicole Schmidt about going back for vocal coaching, but because it's like, 
there, I mean, there's so much more still to learn, yeah. you know? I mean, there's all, that's, I, I love that about music, man. It's because there is never a time where I'm not learning something new in this, in this business. It's awesome. Well, you just have, you have a, a wonderful attitude about it. And I, 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 I think that's great. <laughs> Thanks, uh, and so like, let's talk about, talk about collaboration and what that means <coughs> to you. I wish scene. I wish we did it more. I wish artists did it more, especially around here. It just I don't know. You see it a lot on TikTok. People are like collaborating with other artists, other bands, songwriting with other people. You see it all over social media. But it I don't know if it's weird for some reason in this area specifically. And for the the musicians that are all out playing, for just those those specific people that are out playing, you don't see that. You don't see a lot of them collaborating with each other or going to write songs with someone else or another artist opening for another artist like in this area. You don't see that a lot. Why is that? I, I don't know. I, it, posing the question to us. Well, I, I think, <laughs> well, so you do see it. You just don't see it a whole lot. Right. And I don't have a solid answer other than, Hopefully everybody's busy enough. There's not enough time right. to do so. Exactly. That, in my head, that's what I. That's, that's what I. That would wish be my the case to that be. That would be my. That's a good honest. That, that would be a great like, answer. Right? I wish exactly. the case to be. Yeah. I've I've messaged a couple different artists in the in the area and been like, hey, you know, let's get together and jam or write a song. And it's just the lone fact of the matter is, we're both just too damn busy. Mm. And that has always been the case. Most of the time, it's just because. And it's not a bad thing because it's like, I'm glad that you're busy, man. I'm glad that you're busy in this business because mm -hmm. if you're playing shows and you're, you know, making your music and doing your thing, then heck yeah, you're doing it. You yeah. know, a lot of people get so caught up in like, oh, I just, I want to make it. I want to make it. I just can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get there. It's like, if you're already mm -hmm. playing shows, you're there, you're there, man. Yeah. You're there. Like whether you're playing a bar or at Rosie's or you know, wherever it be, you're there. Just, just revel in that moment because you're, you're in this, you're, there's a lot of musicians that are begging to be where you're at right now. Yep. That's true. And I was one of those two years ago, begging to be one of those musicians on stage. Like, man, I want to do that full time. And it's like, I put my freaking head down and I started working towards it. And that's what I, where I'm at now. Do you remember where you started uh, your first gig? And you might. It was yeah, and I'm actually coming up on that anniversary. It was March 25th, 2021. I played my first gig. It was a duo show that I played, um, but it was the first gig that I ever booked myself for myself, and it was at the clubhouse in Lynchburg. Oh, um, it was a little duo show that I did. Um, it was me and my buddy Dave Owens, and ever since then, man, it's just been bliss. Do you do you diversify yourself? I think I said that right. Do you diversify yourself? <laughs> I didn't know what you said. Diver you said diversify. <laughs> diversify. Yeah. Uh, do you diversify yourself by playing solo shows, doing duets, and then playing with your bigger group? Is yeah, I. So a lot of people tell me this a lot. Like they. So when you come to see my band versus me solo, you're gonna get a different show. Mm -hmm. You're not gonna get the same kind of set. You're gonna get a different style of performance. You're going to get different jokes. You're going to get different stage banter. You're going to get something different. Um, because my artistry with my band is different than my artistry with me solo. Me solo is more of a singer songwriter vibe. Mm -hmm. Um, I do keep it happy. I do keep it upbeat, you know, especially if I'm playing in a bar or something like that. You playing some originals. Yep. I do a lot of original stuff. Um, 
Um, right now, I've been working on an album at yeah. Fainting Goat, which is hopefully set to come out in spring. Um, I'm trying to. We're, we've got one more song that we've got to finish up tracking. Cool pictures on the on the Facebook. That Thanks, you've been man. Posting with Fainting, that. Fainting Goat's a cool, cool uh, spot. That's a hidden gem. It really is. Yeah, I didn't know about it. It's uh, so if you're going into Bedford um, through the Booney Way through Huddleston, it's like right before you get to Bedford Landfill, and it's like down this long back gravel road down in the sticks, and you get there. It's this huge, like almost like audit, like uh, barn looking thing. There's some beautiful places out that way. It's Blackwater, Blackwater Studios down in uh, Smith Mountain Lake. I've yeah. never heard of yeah. that. Yeah, no, it I'm is. Have to check that out. I don't yeah, know that it's that. necessarily close to where you are. Yeah, it's not. It's kind of opposite end, uh, I would say. But there's just some really, I mean, there's some neat places out there. Cool. Flat Five has turned around, uh, new ownership. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I think Brian Harvest was talking about it. Still uh, in Salem, right? Yep, still in Salem. But Man, new. I haven't seen Brian in a hot minute. Harvest? Hey, yeah. Like, hey, good dude. Good, good dude. dude. So, so. When you, you, you sort of talked about it, but talk about how you create sets and select your music. <laughs> my, band all, uh, my band always gives me shit. Like, man, I wish you'd make a damn set list for once. <laughs> Especially for my solo shows. Like, I, I have a list of songs that I know, and that's generally how I do I just make a whole list of every song that I know how to play. And then in, when I'm playing a gig, especially for solo shows, I just kind of go with whatever my heart's feeling. In the moment, read the crowd a little bit. I read the crowd most of the time. That's what I'm doing pretty much all the time is reading the crowd and what they want. You know, and <laughs> it's really funny. My wife hates hates country music, and I'm I'm a little bit teetering the line of, well, there's a lot of country music that I really don't like. I don't like country music more than I like country music. So, but I know that as a musician, playing in this area in the bars and restaurants and stuff. People love to hear some Sweet Home Alabama and Wagon Wheel and stuff like that, you know. So I look at my wife when we're, you know, playing at shows, and I said, hey, we're going to play Sweet Home Alabama. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Literally every time. And I'm just like, you know, this is why I should probably build a set list. Maybe we would have less situations like that. Um, but no, a set list is, is normally a, a challenge for me because even if I build a set list and you can ask my band, even if I build a set list, I will be on stage and I will just completely just jump around the set list, the songs. Call, I will not go and I will not follow the audibles. order. Call it yeah. audible. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It's just, I can't, fi- for some reason I cannot fix that side of me. I could do that if I was playing in a group like just drums and, and not leading and helping because like <laughs> but when i when i make a set list it's like all right we're gonna do this <laughs> that way you're very attached to your i'm very attached i'm very attached to my work 100 percent. it's right behind his head i want to i want to <laughs> i see i want to learn i want to learn that aspect. I, 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 it's a it's a very different way i'm not saying it's the right way it's what works for me right and uh but i'm sure uh alex is gonna have a time with this new group we're starting like <laughs> I know he's a very set list heavy guy. <laughs> no set list, no set list for tomorrow's rehearsal. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> oh man! You know when you start putting a show together, when you do uh, chunks of the pie, you know, like three songs here that just happen to flow together nicely, yeah. or let's say your stage banter is on point and it hits the various audiences the same way. That's how you know you're working with some positives. That, you know, you put these chunks together, and then you can call audibles on the chunk. 
And then say if it's a four song chunk, your band will be like, okay, I know what's coming next. If we're doing this, we're going to do, Andy and I have been doing it with sing-alongs lately. I'm like, keep the sing-alongs together. Keep them interested. So I, and I'll get a little like, I don't know. No, and that's. Like, it works. So you get these chunks, right? You right. Chunks, slices of pie. Yeah, I like no, that. Idea. I'm going to use that. Keep this. So if they might help. Together. If you turn around to exhibit A uh, on the set list one, you, those are three. I mean, those are chunks of three that flow flow well. And then the, the ones that are circled. Uh, well, those were something else, but like the one in the blue, the one in the blue is where we could switch out any, any time and just move things around. So yeah, I have a system of that. It just, I like this system. It's just organized. I'm going to take like a little picture of that. Sit next to me, Travis Ryan. (laughs) Sit next to me, Travis Ryan. I got Sir Duke on there, man. uh, Y'all go check them out. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. So my last question of the evening before we hit you with the buddy gauntlet is, um, how is, um, how has being a dad impact you um, and your music? Oh, what about, especially your writing? I mean, I know you're writing some stuff. Has it has it impacted your writing? That's funny. Um, I did not write my first song until I had my son. That's awesome. Yep i I had written like a couple like little bullshit like picking my boogers and the girl I had a crush on in like sixth <laughs> grade kind of songs. You Bro, know? I'm stealing that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but you know it wasn't. I like you, girl. <laughs> You know that 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 third to sixth grade mindset. You know, push him down because you like him. <laughs> yeah. I anyway, flirt bullies. You don't understand the feelings they're stirring Wait, up, You're like, right? Uh, so I'm just gonna be flirt, angry. Fall about down. It. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but yeah. So my first serious song that I wrote, and it'll be on the upcoming album as well, is called "Learn How to Love." Um, I didn't write that. It's it's kind of weird how the inspiration hit me. So the the little melody line that I'd been picking and playing for it, God, it, I had probably been playing that little melody for six plus years. I kid you not. It was just something that whenever I picked up my guitar, it was one of those things that I'd sit there and just play through. You know, you know, as a in, musician, you just find your little warm ups that you do, and that was one of them. Until about a week after we brought Atlas home from the hospital and I'm sitting there at that point, me and um, me and his mom had been trading off like, all right, I'm going to stay up all night tonight and do the bottles and I'll take care of him tonight. And then, you know, I'll go to sleep in the morning you wake up and you'll take up during the, during the day. So that's kind of how we were doing it. What worked for us. And I was a night owl at the time anyway. So I was sitting there, it was like three o'clock in the morning. And I had just finished his, uh, his, his mint, his bottle. And he was laying there on his little giraffe, stuffed giraffe pillow on the couch. And I had Game of Thrones on the TV because I was binging mm, Game of Thrones choice. for the first time ever. <laughs> it was the first time I'd ever watched it. So I was like, oh, my God, this is so crazy. <laughs> One of the best shows ever. Um, but I was sitting there and I was just picking my guitar and... All of a sudden, the words just started coming out, and I was looking at him, and the tears just started rolling down my face, and I just was caught in this moment of inspiration and just love. And I, the song came out within like ten minutes, and um, it's actually I, I we just finished tracking that song a few weeks ago in the studio, and I had to take a moment and just go outside and just sit down, and I just lost it because it was like hearing something that I have. First off, the first song that I had ever written, hearing that go from this just this simple acoustic solo song 
to what it's going to be on the album was just it was magical man to hear your music come to life like that in a studio with the studio musicians it's just it's really cool it's a cool experience and atlas when he was born songwriting for me was like it was like that chapter that receptacle in my brain finally fired off and it was like i had the um uh, what's the word uh I don't know, the compassion enough or the, I don't know, I just felt it enough in my soul to start writing. And he kind of is the one who inspired that. That's really awesome. Yep. So his involvement with my music is, he's the whole reason why I do it, man. I do this mashup that a lot of people um, love to hear me do. I, I put together, and this was actually like within the same couple days of writing this song, writing my original, I put the the song Just the Two of Us to there's a version that Will Smith wrote back in the early 2000s for his son that had a rap version to it uh, that I actually mashed up the two and like made kind of a little mashup for my son, like just the two of us. And it's a really cool rap tune at the end that I did that people love to hear. And that's a song just dedicated to my son, man. Mm. So he's a huge influence with my, with my music. Yeah. Hit it with the buddy got one. I said that's so depressing. Buddy Gauntlet. Did you say what's the Buddy Gauntlet? What is the Buddy Gauntlet? You're about to find out. Where's the rest of it? Oh. Questions that you weren't privy to, but if you're listening to the podcast, you know. Who is your top single? You only get one musical influence. Oh, I don't want to be mm-hmm. generic, but damn. John Mayer. Okay, cool. Yeah. I feel like a lot of guys my age probably say that. <laughs> I mean, the man has done a lot of amazing things. Um, yeah, definitely John Mayer. I I I do a lot of his his singer songwriter stuff. Um, his finger picking obviously is one yeah. that I've really learned a lot from. Yes, uh, it's weird. Uh, none of these. None of these. Hang on. I write down the answers just so I remember. Now I gotta watch this. John Mayer. <laughs> he he gets a lot of flack these days. Almost like he got too popular, and now people want a vanilla icing. Well, honestly, Saw Brock was like a total flub. Neon is one of my favorite songs. Been learning that song for two it's, years, dude. It's, ha- it's hard. Tr- yeah. It's a hard. So hard. Spank, 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 spank. Little spanky guitar. Well, cool, John Mayer. We just like to watch the struggle, man. Like ah, John Mayer. Cool. What's your top non-musical influence? My top non-musical influence. You just probably oh. talked about him for. Oh yeah, my son. Duh. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> why? Why was I thinking celebrity? That's love? the clip. This. That's the clip. Make the clip. Make him. Because you really went deer in headlight. <laughs> yeah, probably because I ran my mouth too much. I'm like, ah, you just talked about it. Um, yeah. Once that happens, I mean, that's always going to be. Your top non-musical influence. It can influence your music, but it can just influence how you behave outside yeah. of that. Oh, dude, I was a total asshole four years ago. Y'all wouldn't want me on here four years ago. No, I mean, maybe. Because <laughs> assholes can be yeah, fun. They're fun. They're assholes fun. can be hey, fun. Hey, I have the, there, there are assholes, and then there's high-quality assholes. You're high-quality? Like, we're on that high-quality asshole spectrum. High-level right asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all can do that at any point in time. Name one thing you would go back and change if you could. Oh man, I would definitely 
not pick up that bottle as much. And I wouldn't have lost my passion for music. That's one thing I changed. I'd still. Well, you equate those to be being the same. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Don't pick up that bottle, y'all. Don't do it. Christian, thank you so much for being open and just being so real with yeah, us. Man. Truly appreciate you coming. Uh, do you want to? You want to plug? Uh, we're today's date when we drop this episode is. Four, four. You have anything in April that you want to drop and talk about? Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, April. Um, actually, I'm I'm doing a couple cool gigs. We'll be playing um, the 420 Fest, um, Virginia 420 Fest in Crozet uh, this year. Sweet Donkey on the 21st. Um, check out our band page, Christian Q in the Groove. Um, oh, April 21st is Sweet Donkey. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Is it no April 22nd? No. No. That's 20th a cool- is a Thursday. 21st is a Friday. So, yeah, yeah 21st at Sweet Donkey. 21st that's Sweet a, Donkey. Yeah. That's a cool venue. That is a cool uh, gig. Especially yeah. if, are you just doing it solo? No, it's the band. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's going to be the band. We're doing the food truck and tunes. April 21st at Sweet D. I'm yeah, going to try to make that one. that's also yes. during the Down by Downtown stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, I don't know, a lot of cool gigs in, in April. I just can't think of them off the top of my head. That's right. Send them to us and we'll put it on our page will do when we, we cool and then of course i'm getting my little my other group together with alex gross and uh mason janelle on oh, drums lucky dude it's gonna be sweet lucky. i'm i'm stoked can't wait I'm i'll stoked. be there yeah well really appreciate it you have a song for us that you, we're gonna play at the end um yeah i can send you one can yeah I just tell me what you what it's gonna be and introduce um, it before for everybody this is actually for all my smith mountain lake people um there's an original coming out for on the album it's called dock party um for anyone that's ever been down to smith mountain lake or down on dave owens dock for a dock party you'll know where this song's coming from i <laughs> love it <laughs> ladies and gentlemen this is beats bruising buddies thank you christian appreciate you we'll see you next time guys have a good night good to meet you brother thanks man
memories made with my family right beside me A thousand miles from where I've been Though this path that I walk is never winding Lead me further than I've been Going back this way again 